I saw a kind of a funny Mother's Day. It was a, a Mother's Day card. It was actually written from a, a child to her, to his mom, rather. And he wrote the following of this very sweet card at Mother's Day. Love you all this. Open it up. Thanks for all you are and all you do. And then underneath the sweet message was the message written by her son. And it was this. A dear mom, if it wasn't for me, today would just be a normal day. Happy Mother's Day. That's pretty good. That's pretty uh, pretty witty there for a child. We are going to talk in depth a little more tonight for our Sunday night study, which is what we usually do on Sunday nights. If you hear Sunday morning, you usually know we take a snippet of Sunday morning's message and go a little bit deeper for Sunday night. So open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and that is where we'll be to talk about the mother whose name was Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I thought this morning I took a whole big section and did it all at once, and I thought for tonight's lesson we'd kind of work our way through it. We're going to start in verse 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. She, Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So, the first observation that we make of Hannah is that she had a choice with her pain, with her distress, with her uh, lack, and that was, what was she going to do? What was her attitude going to be? And she made a decision, which I think is the right one. Uh, She chose to persist with God. Uh, She could have been bitter. She certainly could have been jealous. Uh, Those are certainly options that she could have taken. Uh, it seems as though she was antagonized by Paniah. So she had every right to be angry and frustrated and bitter. But she chose instead, although she certainly had no doubt the uh, spectrum of emotions as she went through this, she chose instead, the scripture says she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Uh, she prayed through her pain. Now, she didn't pray away her pain, she prayed through her pain. I think that's an important difference, a key difference that we should understand. Um, Most of you know our situation, the Leverings are going through some, a journey right now. Uh, This this week we'll be going back to Kansas City, Uh, Christy will have a feeding tube put in. That's a journey, that's a process. As I was driving here tonight, I thought, you know, I could think of how many people from the Northside family have have battled the big C in one form or another. And I'm so grateful that we are surrounded by a spiritual family who has been through something similar, maybe not exactly, uh, but they have been through the journey and the valley of cancer and what all of the emotions that you go through. And you have a choice in that moment. It really is significant. You can be bitter or you can be better. You can choose to 
rest. In the valley of anger and disappointment and frustration and jealousy and fear. Or you can choose, as Hannah did, to cast all of that on God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, the scripture tells us this. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because, because he cares for you. When you go through, and you will, it's not a matter of if, it's when you go through a trial or a battle or a difficulty or a frustration or a temptation, you will have a choice what you're going to do with that. And the examples throughout Scripture are are, are numerous of people who chose to be better instead of bitter, to cast uh, their problems to the Lord because he cares for you. And doing so is an act of faith. Doing so is a really at the time when faith matters most to be able to cast that to the Lord and trust him. Um, I hope that you never have to walk that journey, but there's just so much information that comes at you. If you choose to go down the Google or YouTube rabbit hole, you just you get more questions than answers. People will come to you well-meaning people, to share their story or someone that they knew. Well, did you talk to this person? Did you ask about this? Did you go here? Did you think about this? You know, and you're just, you know, it's just like just another thing to think about. And you can really turn yourself in knots. You can stretch yourself out, give yourself an ulcer, lose a lot of sleep, worrying if you got all the right information if you'd answered the questions in all the right way, if you've got the opinions of all the right doctors and all the right specialists, and if you've lined that up perfectly so that it will go exactly as it should. And you can try to do that. But I don't think that's what God intends for his children. Because what he calls us instead to do is more than having perfect understanding is to trust him. More than having all the answers is to lean upon him. And more than being guaranteed trouble-free life and a trouble-free journey, that when you face challenges, when you go through the valley, you lean upon him. This is what Hannah did. It's admirable. It's the right thing to do. She made a promise, what we call the Nazarite vow, dedicating her son toward the calling, being dedicated and devoted his whole life to the Lord, which, of course, we know will be in in Samuel's case. But I love this idea that she didn't make her about her. She didn't make her about her. It's easy when you when you have loss or you experience difficulty, you go through battles to make to to, to be, have a very myopic vision. And Hannah didn't do that. She leaned into the Lord. She cast her burden upon Him, and she said, "If you'll give me a son, I'm not asking you to give me a son for my glory. I'm not asking you to give me a son so that I can just 
have something to take to Panaya and say, ha, 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 see, I can do it too. She, she, instead of becoming myopic, she becomes kingdom focused. And she says, Lord, if you'll give me the son, I want him to bless you. I want him to be a blessing to your people. Wow, what a cool legacy. So despite her hurt, Hannah didn't lose hope because her hope was in the Lord. Let's continue reading verses 12 through 15. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. Uh, But I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Um, She poured out, (laughs) despite being mistaken for one who had done a little pouring herself. Her heart is of the psalmist in Psalm 91 who writes these words, He holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. There is something about this beautiful uh, faith in the Lord that Hannah had, despite her emptiness of her womb. She persisted. In her prayer, and she uh, she didn't give up. It reminds us of the story of the widow in Luke chapter eighteen, which Jesus told he he told them this parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and to not give up. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor nor respected man, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, "Give me justice against my adversary." For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Um, Hannah, my sense is that her prayer was not just one and done. This is... Uh, a woman who continued praying, verse 12 says. Uh, she, she kept knocking at the door of her father's house because she knew that's where she would find an answer. That's where she knew her hope was. Um, if we put it in today's terms, her hope was not in uh, medical technology. Her hope was not in doctors and experts. Uh, to, to, to give her an answer. Her hope was in the Lord. And she kept on. She kept on. She was relentless in prayer. Um, a uh, rhetorical question. When was the last time that you persisted in prayer over a matter? Um, I've done it a, a few times. Perhaps you have as well. Um, there's a reason Jesus told that parable. There's a reason the story of Hannah is in there, uh, that we should always pray and not give up, that prayer changes things, and not because there's power in the prayer. This is one of the things that kind of drives me 
a little bit crazy in our culture where you see someone saying, I sure could use prayers and good vibes. So it's just kind of taking the, the Christian and the new age, you know, if you got some crystals, great, bring them on in, you know, and, and we're just going to bring that all and we're just going to, we're going to vibe this thing. We're going we're gonna to put this magical energy into the universe, and that is not what prayer is all about. Prayer does not work. God works. Prayer is your petition to the one who works. It's not the, the power is not in you. So when you're petitioning, you're repeating that understanding. Lord, I can't do anything about this, just like the widow. I... I she going to the only one that can change her course of action. The only one with the power to change things that will affect her life is the judge. Hannah does the same thing. Lord, I can't do anything about this. So I'll go to the one who can. So this is why the scripture tells us again and again, whether it's Hannah's story or Jesus' parable or the short verses of 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. Pray continually. Some say pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God wants his people to be consistent. Now it doesn't mean our emotions are consistent. Our emotions are up and down and all over the place. But to be consistent in our choice. Notice each of those three things is a choice. Rejoicing, that's a choice. Prayer, that's a choice. Gratitude, that's a choice. That's a choice of attitude and spirit. And and you get to and have to repeat that choice every single day. It's not a, so much of this is not a one and done situation. We've passed, since we've gotten the news and shared it with the church family, you get lots of people and, and with sympathy asking, how are you? And you know, you. today was the first time I started repeating what I have often said before this, and that is, better than we deserve. How can you say that? Those blessings haven't changed. Our spiritual blessings in Christ haven't changed. All that's just as true. But part of it's, it's my desire to be consistent in making that choice. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You can't always change your externals, but you always have control of the internals. And the the internals are greatly helped when you're connected with the eternal. That's a lot of eternals, I get it. But hopefully you get my point. Be consistent in the choice to lean upon the Lord. Persist in prayer. Show gratitude in it all. And choose to rejoice no matter what the externals, uh, no matter what happens. Number three, uh, verse 17. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. 
Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. God answered. God always answers. It is not always the answer that we want. In this case, it certainly was. The, the other key part of that is he answered her in due time. Now, it doesn't say that they immediately went home and got pregnant. And that's a, certainly a possibility. They went home. Nine months later, little Samuel, here he is. Uh, but it could have been a couple of years, or it could have been some more time passed in that <clears throat> between uh, verse 19 and verse 20. But in due time, in, in, in due time means in the right time, which means in God's time. And I, I just want to give you a, a word of encouragement. God's time is rarely on your time. You and I have a much shorter timeline. He has a much longer timeline in so many things. But God's faithful. In due time, God will answer. And when he answers, no matter what it is, it will be the right answer. Philippians 4 reminds us, do not be anxious about anything. Now, we know that Hannah was anxious. She had been pouring out of her her anxiousness, her anxiety, and her great vexation, she says. Verse 16. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I think I see a, an echo of 1 Thessalonians 5 there. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There are two things, two moments that I really like. There are two very different kinds of moments, but they're very similar for one reason, okay? One is when you get on a plane, and the other is when you go through the car wash, the automatic car wash. Uh, Those are two very different circumstances in life, but here's why they're similar. When you get on an airplane, you've done, you've made all the effort. You've bought the tickets, you got checked in, you got your luggage handled, you waited, uh, you got on the plane, you got seated. All of that was dependent upon you. And sometimes that can be a very stressful kind of ordeal. But there is this beautiful moment when they shut the door, you can feel the pressure in the, ch- in, the, in the plane change. And all of a sudden, it's like you can just breathe. It's the most relaxing moment of, of all flying. If you have to fly, this is the moment, I'm, I guarantee you. Because at that moment, all decisions are out of your hands. For better or worse, someone else has to make all the decisions... For the, for the flight, okay? And you trust that the, the personnel and the captain and, and everybody involved with that, air traffic control, that they're all make, doing their jobs and make the right decisions, but it's all out of your hands. At that moment, there is no more I can do. It's out of my hands. 
The second, you say, well, how does that compare to a car wash? Well, I, I like Tommy's car wash there at Maple and Ridge. Uh, simple, it's fast. Scan your driver's license, or, uh, uh, license plate and move on through. But there's this moment when you get in, you drive in, you get the right lane, you wait for the little bar to go up, you go in, you go around, you pull in, you get to you wait for the guide to move you in, and you just hit the conveyor belt. And at that moment, if there's an attendant there, they'll say, which basically means, get your hands off the wheel. You're going to mess things up if you start pushing pedals and steering wheels at this point. Take your hands off, put it in neutral, let the car wash do the rest. Those two experiences are times when we let go and let someone else make the decisions. Sometimes we think that's hard, but in many ways it frees us of a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. In Hannah's life, the moment when Eli says, go in peace, the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. She says, let your servant find favor in your eyes. The woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. And I love that picture because it's the same moment for Hannah when God says, okay, okay, I've heard you and I will answer you in due time. It's a beautiful moment and I hope you all and those of you watching online have the opportunity to have the same moment. And the more that we trust God, the more that we'll have those moments, the time when God leads you to the Red Sea. The time when God leads you before the giant. There are so many times when God will lead you to a place where almost by default, the only option is to say, God, you're going to have to do it. That's a good place to be. Hannah acknowledged God's power. God kept his word. Hannah kept hers. And, the Sam, and Samuel became prophet. Samuel, her son, became the prophet to Israel. Verse 26 and 27. O Lord, my Lord, as, lo- as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he, is, as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. Hannah didn't just say, thank you, Lord. I sure appreciate that you've made my family whole. Thank you. She went an extra step. She acknowledged God's answer, and she devoted the rest of her life, and in this case, Samuel's life, to that answer. For this child I prayed. Every time she saw Samuel for the rest of her life, whether she had him at her breast or he was serving and ministering alongside Eli in the temple, she would remember God keeps his promise. And I think in either situation, she would smile knowing that God is good and remembering that she prayed for Samuel and that it was the Lord who answered. I said this morning it was hard to imagine a mother making that kind of a decision. And on a human level, that's true. But... On a faith level, when we really think about it, 
such sacrifices are the natural response. When you knock and God opens the door and he grants you what you've asked for, your heart grows the opposite of uh, the Grinch, (laughs) grows ten sizes larger. Your natural response is, Lord, I'm I'm putting all the chips in with you. It's all yours forevermore. So when he answers, may we remember to continue to acknowledge his answer, his goodness, his love. So I want to ask you to do that right now. Let's just take just a minute. I want you to bow your heads if you're watching online. Please do the same. I want you to acknowledge the times in your journey when God has answered you and thank him and pour out your heart to him. We'll just take a a minute to do this. So let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we could spend the rest of this night, the rest of our lives, pouring out gratitude to you, and it wouldn't be enough. But we acknowledge in in a small way the many manifest times you have worked in our lives, in big ways and in small. You have never ceased to be faithful. You have never ceased to answer You have never ceased to work. You hear us, you see us, you know us, and most of all, you love us. We, like Hannah, are no longer sad of the things we've lost, but we're joyful again over what we have with you. Father, we thank you for uh, the example set by Hannah and so many other women of faith that even in their times of pain they they still had hope even in their times of emptiness they were filled continually by you thank you for their their faith and their trust not just in your answer but in who you are lord As we learn from your word, may we live by such a great example set for us. We thank you for Jesus, who even in that garden on that night, prayed that if there were some other way, that you would make it so. And yet, bent his will to yours. We thank you for that example Costly though it was, we're thankful today, tonight, and in eternity. We'll sing your praises and his because of that decision. Father, there are those here tonight, I'm confident because there are people here tonight. There are those watching online now or later who either are or will go through times of great despair and sadness and loss, and they will be filled with anxiety, and worry, and fear, 
as the enemy wants. And Father, I pray that your word, specifically Hannah's story, might remind us of what to do and how to do it in those times. Father, we don't have the luxury of having your knowledge of seeing all things clearly as you do, but in the times when our vision is impaired and our our path seems unclear, we pray that we might lean upon you fully, completely, without hesitation. We thank you for Hannah and her example, who ultimately gave Israel a prophet whose whole heart and attitude was, Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. We thank you, Father, that you always hear us. And mostly thank you for always loving us. And we know that you do because of your Son. And it's in his name that we humbly offer this prayer. Amen.